Welcome to Mad One Media. I am your host, Joshua Walters. We're presenting a series for May's Mental Health Awareness Month. ASOM, A-S-O-M, Artist State of Mind. Getting into creativity as practice for mental health. Those who have built a business, those who have built a whole enterprise of their creative desires, of their creative passion. And we're going to get into that today with a little interview style. Our guest today, Ashanti Branch, founded the Ever Forward Club 19 years ago in 2004. And he continues to mentor youth, high school age youth, in a setting where they can open up about their challenges, explore their creative side, and really get to know one another. Part of the Ever Forward Club is the Million Mask Movement, and he'll tell you all about that, letting youth show their outer mask and their inner mask. And we'll sit down with him and get a little bit of his story and his journey in starting the Ever Forward Club. So I hope you enjoy it. I think the work is so beautiful that I am, uh, I feel like I'm a conduit of this energy that's come to me, this dream mm-hmm. of like, how do we make things better for young people in our world? And also that's only for adults, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like, you know, my, my reason for starting with young people is because I remember being a young person and no one ever asked how I was doing. You were, you were doing engineering and then you transitioned to teaching and, the, and, and, and how did that come about? Yeah, so um, grew up in Oakland, poor boy, family on welfare. They told me that if you go to college and get a good job, make a lot of money, you can live happily ever after. I was like, sign me up for the happy ever after plan. I went to high school, focused on like going to college to get a good job with a lot of money. They told me that engineers make good money. I like math. They said, hey, if you like math, you can be an engineer. Sign me up. Went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, majored in civil engineering. Started making, make, came back to Oakland, making good money, paid off all my loans, living in my fancy little townhouse condo in Walnut Creek. And then this fire just started calling this fire of like this is not what you're supposed to be doing and it happened I started tutoring at this program a buddy of mine um, who was running this um, program called Upward Bound which usually helps first generation college students you know prepare for college so um, I was like um, tutoring when he's like Saturday mornings I'm like Saturday morning I I don't even see Saturday morning <laughs> I go to bed around Saturday, around Saturday morning, around three a.m. or four or five, and I wake up in the afternoon. Right? I don't even know. I don't even see Saturday mornings, right? Because I was, I think deep down, what I was doing is I was chasing happy hours. I thought I was trying to live happily ever after, but actually, I was just at every happy hour mm-hmm. because that's that's what it, that's where I felt happiness. I felt, oh, I'm, at, I'm at, I got money. I can go party. I can go do this. I can go here. I went to my friends and I are engineers. We had a spreadsheet of all the happy hours in San Francisco. We knew what when to free food, free drinks, free this, half a party, this, when to free bands, whatever we had. We had it worked out. We didn't miss no good parties. 
But I wasn't much. I don't know that deep down I was happy as like overall big picture. Mm-hmm. I loved my work. I was good at it. I loved engineering. I loved building big buildings. That's what I got excited. The Opera House, which is right around from close to where we are. Mm-hmm. My project when I was in college was working on the, the retrofit of the uh, San Francisco Opera House. Wow. So that was one of my, my, my most historic buildings that I worked on. But I loved that industry. But I wasn't like, it wasn't like happy ever after. I come home from work and I just play video games, go to some restaurant, eat dinner, make food, go back to work again. Mm-hmm. And I, it became, something was missing. Something was missing. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that's what you, that's what brings happy ever after is like once you get there. And I was like, and so I, I told him, I said, like, I can't really do that because I need to party on Fridays. And he was like, look, I need a math teacher. I need you to help me with this math. Help, let me get, get. I said, look, you got two months. Two months to find somebody. I'm not doing this. Like, I need Friday nights. And long story short, I went that first week, and the fires started, embers started burning mm-hmm. in my soul. And um, it was like, you're supposed to be a teacher. You're supposed to be in this work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, heck no. Are you crazy? Teachers don't make no money. Teachers can't live in Water Creek where I live. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, there's no way. And uh, I basically... I left that job to get another job, which means I was driving from Warner Creek to San Jose. So for those who don't know distance, it's like an hour and a half each way if you hit the wrong time. It could be longer. It could be less. But you imagine about an hour and a half each way. That's dumb. Three hours a day on the, in the... I don't even like to drive. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I can drive. I, I prefer not to be driving, right? <laughs> but... <laughs> and I was doing that. You know why? Because I was afraid that this calling on my life was like... Leave that money. You don't need that. You come in. You're gonna be so much happy over here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "There's no way." So I thought making more money would like overcome this feeling of trying to give back to my community, and it made it worse. So long story short, I went back to school um, and got my teaching credential, and I became a teacher in 2004. Well, 2002, 2002, 2003 was my my first year student teaching, and 2003, 2004 was my first year as a teacher, and that's when the Ever Four Club started. And so as a teacher, you started Ever Forward Club. Yeah, first year. And it was a, was it an after school, was it like an after school, um, something you were doing with the students on your own time? or? Yeah, it was like lunchtime. Lunchtime. Yeah, so um, most of the kids at our school didn't stay after school, so um, for lots of reasons. But um, what I, there was smart kids in my class who were failing. Now, I'm a first year teacher. I've accepted that I'm going to make a very little bit of money in terms of how much I used to make. I'm clear that I'm from this community. I, I love this work. I love these young people. I want to do good at it. And I'm doing a horrible job. And I consider doing a horrible job when you got smart kids getting Fs. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, and I'm giving my best, right? I'm giving my best. But I'm missing something. And it was because there was no connection. Like, I'm like, dude, you're too smart to be failing my class. Like, fail... That teacher over there, she don't like you. Fail mm. her class. Mm. But I like you. So you can't fail my class. Like It don't make no sense. I feel bad you getting an F because you're not an F student. So what are you doing? And when I realized that in front of your peers, smart wasn't cool. So they had to act the way that they thought was cool because in that community, to be a young man and not be cool is kind of like the worst thing mm-hmm. for many of them. And so my journey of like helping them navigate, I said, look, um, and I, and I was I tried everything in class, and then I realized deep down that it, it couldn't happen in class. 
And so I said, look, I'll I'll buy you all lunch. I had a group. I invited a group of young men together. I said, look, I'll buy you all lunch once a week from off campus because every we could they, could they couldn't leave campus for lunch. So everyone would. It was a, it was a bribe, right? I'll buy you lunch once a week. Exchange for lunch. Teach me how to be a better teacher. Like, what am I doing wrong? And that's how it all started. It started with me as an inquiry to figure out what am I missing? The fact that you're smart but yet failing, and you're you're not an F student, but you're 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 showing up as an F student. I mean, I I can't do the work for you. I can't give you grades for things you're not gonna do. That's not how it's gonna work. I'm not gonna be cool to you by just passing you. That's not gonna happen. But you're capable of doing the work, but you're not doing it. And that's those lunch meetings became me trying to learn from them. And I think it was the inquiry of like, what am I? What, 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 tell me what I'm missing. What is it I can't see about what's happening with you? And that's how it all started. That's how the million. That's how the Ever Four Club started. It was those lunch meetings, and those young men began opening up. And I think they began to see in each other. Wait, how are you going through that? How are you going through that kind of stuff? You got brand new Nikes. You're an athlete. You got like two girlfriends. Like, how are you going through these problems? But well, because they, what they were doing is they were watching what they what they saw on the outside, hmm. and what they didn't know that all of them were going through real stuff in life, but they all pretended like they weren't, and so those conversations began to build that brotherhood, hmm. and that's how the Ever Four Club started. It was, I definitely, if you told me like right then, if you said Ashanti, it looks like you're starting a nonprofit, <laughs> I would have laughed first, and then I would say. You can't get more nonprofit than teaching. Like I'm already a teacher. You can't get more nonprofit than that, right? Like, and I realized, oh yeah, you can. Now that I run a nonprofit, mm. it's definitely possible if you're not careful, right? But I was clear that what I was doing was it was calling me. I didn't. I didn't think that when I came became a teacher, like I'm gonna teach till I'm 75. Like I'm mm. gonna. I didn't know what was next. I just knew that that was. I didn't know what the long term next was. I knew that the next thing that I needed to do was to get this credential, start teaching. I did my master's in education, and it was that those seeds that were the, the, the dormant seeds that showed up from my elementary school of like all these ideas and thoughts and creativity and you know entrepreneurship, which has built what we're, what we're living in today, 19 years later from the Ever4 Club. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it went, it went fast. And so it started as a support group for them and also a focus group for you because yeah. you wanted that that invaluable youth mind state you know like what what is their feedback you know you were you you did it for them but you also did it for yourself you wanted the you wanted the feedback you wanted the critique you know? I, I like the way you said that I have never seen it like that but you're exactly right yeah I mean you started I mean you 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 paid them in lunch and for their for a focus group yeah, you know, and then it became mm. a support group because they were listening to each other and they were listening to, you know, their own their own journeys. That's right. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yes. It was like investing in my own postgraduate education project, right? <laughs> you were looking for a critique. You were looking for that. You're looking for that feedback. Yeah. 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 The yeah. Good, yeah. The good and the bad side of it, right? Yeah. The like, good and the bad. Yeah. And they and they were definitely honest. <laughs> the bad, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's thing. Thank you for that. Yeah, that's great. Exactly. And exactly. The, and they're and they're not gonna give you that critique. Like a student isn't gonna give you that critique unless you give them the platform and the space to do that. Mm. Like they're just gonna absorb. They're gonna go through their own judgments. They're gonna be like, okay, this is whack. I don't like this. And 
they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna judge you but they're gonna like just do the work and they're not gonna give you like a they're not gonna give you a survey mm. based on how you did you know that's huge that's so huge yes yeah. that's exactly right and maybe I'm gonna give you feedback when you make them mad they'll give you plenty of feedback when you make them mad right you don't know you know how to teach you think that <laughs> <laughs> on the way out the door with the referral, they're like telling you everything you do is jacked up, right? So, <laughs> but as a as like welcoming invitation to help me figure out what I'm doing wrong as an educator, yeah, no, yeah, they're not they're not willingly offering that support for you. Yeah, and and that support, those those first meetings have been invaluable. Yeah, to my only development as an educator, and as a, and, and in this work I get to do, I'm not I'm not teaching a classroom anymore. I stopped teaching in 20, I taught for 10 years and I was administrator for three. And then I went to do this fellowship at the D school. So I was like from, from 13 years in schools every day, like it was a constant focus group, me asking questions and making mistakes and like, oh, okay, I messed that one up. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean that. I, I, I didn't mean to say it that way. I didn't mean to, you know, really like clearing up, clarifying my intentions around the work. And that's what I think I try and do right now is help educators be better for their students, you know? Mm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. That's powerful. And um, today, after that group, after meeting with them and doing many more groups, what, what all does the Ever Forward Club do in the scope of 19 years later? Yeah. So we have a, so if I think about the bigger structure of the organization, we have three major programs. We have Ever Forward Clubs. That's based on that first club we started. Um, that's a program for young men, middle school and high school. And we're getting invited to some elementary schools to do some deeper work with elementary school boys. Um, and that's that year long mentoring program in a school ideally based um, where there's a mentor led kind of workshops or you know weekly sessions really just a brotherhood a connection space we have under the clubs we now have what's called the social emotional leadership academy that's a um it starts with two it starts with a it bookends with two internships one internship at the front end a year-long mentoring program and then a closing internship that you know sends them off if they they choose to leave the original ever four club was you know when you join, you're a, you're a member forever, for life. That's kind of how it worked. But we realized that for some young people, one year may have been enough for them to kind of find some of their own rhythm and then move on, right? And not trying to like lock them into like, you're a part of this forever. But that's how it originally started because I didn't know any better. And I was like, if you join as a freshman, you're going to be a part until you graduate high school. That's just how it works. It was a, it was a until, until you graduate kind of program. That's how long it was in the beginning. So now we have... Everforward Club, we have Everforward Club Professional Development, and that's for teachers, administrators, parents, social workers, anyone working with youth, and even some corporate people who are really about building healthy relationships. So that's our professional development arm. And then the last is Everforward Experiences. And Everforward Experiences, that includes the Million Mask Movement. That's our global campaign around emotional masks. It includes our Taking Off the Mask Workshop, which is our signature work that was featured um, in the documentary, The Mask You Live In. And then um, it includes uh, the game, the adventure. We created a, a game this, um, this during the pandemic, we created a game called The Adventure 
um, that I brought. Uh, this is for you. So oh, thank uh, you. the game is about building connection. And um, yeah, so that's under the experiences. We're always trying to build out experiences for people to um, to have and to find more ways of being more authentic selves. And so that's um, that's our game. And it's cards. And then yeah. what, how does it work? You pull the cards and then... Yeah, so um, when you open up the deck, we yeah. open it. Yeah, open up. So when you open up the deck, this is uh, this is our second um, our second design. So <laughs> as a game designer now, into <laughs> the right? games, as a game games. designer, right? Yeah. Now design games. Um, so when you open the box, yeah, I'm opening yeah, the box. You get to open the box. Yeah, opening the box. Okay, I got the instructions there, and there's there's, there's, we created instructions so they play like a game. But if you just open it up, uh-huh. we, we we we're gonna play around a random game. But if you just pull out the corner of the cards. So that's the instructions. There's like characters and destinations, but the way it works is it's a game about building connection. And so these are the challenge cards. If you look on, you can see on the other side. You see a couple of the questions. Got it. There are questions that are easier and questions that are harder. Um, and and you self choose whether you, how deeply you want to answer the question. And you choose your own points. No one gets to judge your answers. Yeah. And so what happens in this game is that. The, the typical premise is you're trying to save one of your friends from this destination and the way you're going to save them from there is by getting points and the way that you and whoever's playing with you add up points based on how deep you answer those questions. And so there's a lower point value and a higher point value and that's the adventure game. The challenges card on the back says a characteristic of myself that I don't talk about much for five points and the... <laughs> Destinations card on the back says, what is a lie that you tell about yourself that you need to stop telling? Mm, I like that. Yeah, so when you open this up, this was actually the destinations. There's like 10 destination cards and 10 character cards. Yeah, character cards. And all the rest of them are all question cards. Question cards, okay. Yeah. Okay, so there's there's, uh, six categories. There's there's four categories in there. Yeah, there's a hunt. So you have uh, a leap of faith. That's one of the harder questions. Yeah. Uh, you have uh, the big boss. That's the, one of the harder questions. And then you have sunrise, sunset. Those are things starting and ending. You have uh, weathering the storms. That's challenges overcome. And then you have um, uh, what's the last one? Is uh, it was one more? Oh, um, lessons learned. Lessons learned. Lessons learned. Yeah. And so that's one of the things we create. And like, it's like, how do we? And until you talked to me about being a part of this project, I was like. I'm not an artist, and as I started like trying to think about, oh wait a minute, Shanti, you have, you've created a lot of stuff, and that is how I am embracing this wide-ranging definition of what it means to be an artist. You know? Yeah, I mean, you had to write the questions and yeah, do work the with graphics. The, yeah, work with the design team, the design team <laughs> to make the cards, and. Um, how does this game, how does the work of Ever Forward Club um, affect the mental health of those you serve? Yeah. You know, this is May, so Mental Health Awareness Month. So what we, what we do in the work, you know, the game is designed as a place of like, there is more to each of us than people can see, you know? Mm. And so... Um, this image, this image was done by one of our first students. Oh, that's so he, cool. he, was, he was a part of that first, uh, that first club at San Lorenzo High, 
And so he's an artist. He's an art teacher now, actually. Um, his name is um, Corbray Smith. He's a, his artist name is Hella Futures. Um, if you look on the outside of this face, it says, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Which is what we used to say when people say, how you're doing? I'm good. I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm cool. But if you look in between, I'm okay, on this image that, do you see the word there? It's hard to see, actually. There's a word in Not. Yeah. I see it. Yeah, it's, it's covered up by his face. You got to yeah. really look. Yeah. yeah. And, and the artist, he said, the reason I put the word not there is because if people all day long are saying, I'm okay, I'm good, I'm fine, why would you think they're not? He said, because it's really hard to see when people are not doing okay. Mm. And he said, and the reason I put it where I put it is because I put it over the mouth because it's actually really hard to talk about when you're not doing okay. Yeah. And so that's for you too. Um, he you. he designed that for us as our first like uh, image for the Million Mask Movement. Especially when it was called the Hundred Thousand Mask Challenge. Um, and so as we began to elevate our campaign, this is still our image. And so it's the image that says there's so much more to each of us than people can see by looking at us. Mm-hmm. But if we're not careful, when we do our greetings every day, hi, how you doing? And mm-hmm. people say the normal answer that they say. We know that everybody and mostly are saying, I'm good, cool, fine, okay, and as, a, as a normal answers. Mm-hmm. And if we're not careful, we could be thinking, everybody I talk to today is doing good. I'm the only one that's doing jacked up. But maybe if you were more honest about when they ask you how you're doing, mm-hmm. then maybe they could be more honest about how they're doing. But if the greeting is just a greeting to pass the time and we just do it as perfunctory, then we never get to know how people are really doing. So our work is really around wellness first we're not therapists we don't we don't have any therapists on our team we're we're really trying to start with the can i just have a place can i be more my authentic self who are the people in my circle that i can begin when they ask me how i'm doing for real i know they really mean it and they'll take time to listen Mm -hmm. or everywhere i go i gotta keep exchanging these masks i got my sports mask and my school mask and my family mask and my you know grandparents mask i got all these masks i keep jumping between but i don't even know who i am anymore because I'm having to be who everyone else needs me to be. Mm. And I think that's part of the work. And so if we can give people, definitely starting with our young people, a space to be like, yeah, you know what? I don't know how I feel today. I'm feeling really, I feel like pretty, I don't know. And to be able to say, okay, well, you want to talk about anything? And when young people, when you get a space like that, one of my young men the other day, (laughs) he was like, I was like, um, I said, uh, what did I say to him? I said, how you doing? How you doing? He's like, Amazing, amazing. I said, Oh, cool. Tell me about amazing. And he's like, Well, you know, it's just kind of like, meh. I said, Wait a minute. What? What did you just say? Did you just have, did you just jump? Wait, did you jump from amazing to meh? Like in like less than 33 seconds? Like, are you amazing or are you meh? Right? And in his mind, he had, he almost had to like reshake his own thinking because he was like, Oh, wait a minute. He was so used to like, having to say I'm amazing all the time that when I asked him deeper about amazing he's like well you know kind of like meh and I was like it was one of the moments where I had to like I couldn't just be like scrutinizing the word meh I had to like ask him did I hear it right and that beautiful part of that conversation between he and I let us have a deeper conversation but what if I had just taken his amazing like okay cool I'm glad you're amazing I kept moving he was saying what he is used to saying to keep people moving Mm. Now, he wasn't avoiding me. He wasn't really trying to lie. He was answering in the way that he typically answers it that keeps the thing moving so there's no friction. But I was really asking. And so when, I, when he said amazing, I said, oh, cool. Tell me about amazing. Hmm. 
Maybe it is amazing. I want to hear about amazing. And that gave him permission to then re-narrate re it. And then me like, wait, I'm confused. You just said amazing now with this other word. And now I realize that, oh, he's like, oh, actually, I forgot. You're, you're really asking. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I think, what we start with the wellness for young people. It's like, you're seen. I see you. I don't, like, you're, and I'll hear you if you want me to hear you. And if you want to be silent, be silent. But just know that I'm here when you're ready. If you're not ready to talk right now, no problem. But I want you to know that you're not invisible to me. Mm. That you're, that you matter. And look, I think families and parents do the best they can, but I've also met parents who do the same thing. Hey, how you doing? How was your day? Great. A kid knows. The kid's been watching their parents for the years that the parents have existed in their life. They know what to say to keep their parent off their back. Mm -hmm. They know what to say to create some perks of ears. Mm -hmm. they've, they've been training each other. And so the mom or dad will say, whoever, grandparents, how was your day? Everything was fine. I was like, okay, good. We're good to go. I did my work. I checked in on how you were doing. And guess what? I don't, I'm not blaming them for that. It is what we have done as a society. Mm -hmm. But in my work, or my young people, when I was raising my godsons, at the end of the day, I'm going to ask you how you're doing. And you give me a one-word answer. You know we're going deeper. It's <laughs> never going to be a one-word answer. Oh, yeah, it was good. It was fine. Okay, tell me what today. What was fine? What was good? Tell me about the good parts of the day. Anything that wasn't good today? Okay. Right? But if they know how to, like, keep it moving, and then teenagers, definitely young adults, they're, they're experts at how to keep things moving, how to keep things frictionless, right? Yeah. Because all day long, they're in an environment that the friction is all of a sudden highlighted in a, in a big way. So, yeah, that, that's what we try and do. So, around the wellness part, and, you know, with the U.S. Surgeon General, we were featured in his report around youth wellness, around... Mm -hmm. The Million Mask Movement was, and that was a big, huge win for us, you know, as yeah. an organization. So, yeah, amazing. And then we're trying to, we're trying to grow it. We're trying to grow this movement, you know. We're trying to build a team, trying to build out the tool and the resources, and um, that's what we get to do in this work. Amazing, yeah. I said amazing just then, and he used amazing as a baseline. You know, he was baseline. That was that was his like just basic. That was his like middle middle ground. Yeah, and. Um, have you ever checked in with someone, you know, in an informal way and it wasn't amazing where they really let you know? Because, like, the, the, the design says, I'm not okay. Yeah. But it's like, it's, it's, people don't want to burden you with that, you know, yeah. most of the time. So, have you, have you checked in with someone and they were not okay and, yeah. um, you know, you, you were glad you did. You're glad you checked in with them about that. Yeah. It happens a lot. It, you know, when, young men, when young men in our program, I'm going to open up this bag here. Yeah, you know, artifacts. All my, all my, all my artifacts. So what I, what I normally do, um, when I ask them how they're doing or they get a space to kind of like check in around that, this idea is that they usually start learning really quick. Now, if they ask me how, if I ask them how they're doing, I'm going to go deeper, right? Yeah. These, are, these are a selection of masks. I mean, they're, they're from one location. It's, it's, um, it's co-ed. So you'll get to see... Um, some different masks and these masks are these are not students who I know because they're anonymous so these cards are basically um, the work we've asked people to do in the million mask movement right mm -hmm. what's on the front of the mask the things I gladly let the world see what's on the back of the mask things I don't let people see don't talk about mm -hmm. and what we know is that there's so much more going on so what we have often done in this work has been able to make a space where students get a chance to like um talk about the front so like for example this one's easy to read because the, the handwriting is pretty neat 
It says, front of the mask, this is a 17-year-old female from Palo Alto. The front, you want to read the words on the front? Yeah, the front says, cheerful, friendly, hyper. Yeah. And the back says, angry, sad, tired, exhausted. Yeah. Like, the idea is that there, if, if, I, if I am just this all the time, people don't, will never know this unless I have a good set of friends or a network around me where I can talk about it. And I think that what we do in our work when we are talking about the question around what do I say, what, what is about one individual student, in the moment of passing, they think that you're just asking a greeting. But when we go deeper and they know that you care, sometimes they'll be like, how much time you got? They'll say, well, you know, it's going all right. And, and because we're on, if we're on the phone, I have to like be able to read through the inflections of their voice if I know them very well. If I don't know them at all, mm-hmm. if I just really recently met them, I may miss when they're saying, I'm all right. But if I, I'm looking at you, I can get a different vibe. But if you mm-hmm. say, oh, I'm doing fine, my, I always ask a follow-up question usually. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, tell me about fine. Now, sometimes young people in my work, and definitely these are some young men who are now men. They're like in their 20s, 30s. They'll avoid calling me or they'll avoid taking my call because they know that it's never going to be just an easy in and out. <laughs> now, sometimes I'm actually just need some help with it. Hey, I need you to give me the name of something or help me find this thing or whatever if I'm asking a question. But if I, if I ever like call or if I'm like, hey, checking in, how you doing? They know that sometimes it, it's, I'm not meant to pry. It's never prying. And they know me well enough to know that I care. But they're so used in their life just to be able to keep it moving. So if they're worried about me asking some real questions, then they avoid it, right? And I think that's the work. You know? So when they, when they do call, hey, I've been wanting to check in with you for a while. I'm like, right on. One of my young men, he's been avoiding my text messages. Text me the other day. He was like, hey, just checking in. I miss you. And I was like, hey, man, I'm looking forward to catching up with you when you got time. But he knows that I'm going to ask real questions when we meet up. And so if, if he's used to in his world of like everyone is just letting him answer with easy answers and keep it moving, it's, it's beautiful. But ultimately they know, I hope they would always know and I, and I, I that really inform them, don't ever avoid me because you're worried. If you don't want to talk about stuff, don't talk about stuff. Mm. I ask because I'm curious and I care, but don't, don't, don't be going through a hard time and feel like you have to hide out, right? And I think that sometimes our young men do that. And so I am... I've had young people who were going through home situations, family situations, domestic situations, DUIs, like, and and they sometimes they don't want to tell you, and I'm like, but I'm here, right? So I can only I can I can only just be here, be who I am, and I hope that they trust that that I'm not here to judge them ever, right? Mm-hmm. And I may ask questions about it, I may be curious, I may want to, you know, but all, always it's on. It's, the power of text is that you cannot reply, right? Before there was voicemail or the phones where you can see caller ID, you're just like, hmm, maybe somebody I need to talk to. And you answer the phone and you're like, oh, man, I don't answer this call, right? Mm-hmm. But now we have all this power of like, oh, Branch? Oh, I'm not going to talk to Branch right now. I don't want to talk about this stuff right now, right? And it's like that kind of thing. But, it's, but ultimately out of love, right? I think it's, I say it in jokingly, but I also... I, I, sometimes they come back after three, four, five months and they're like, man, I've been having some rough times. I'm like, oh man, why, why didn't you reach out? Well, I don't want to bother you. I'm like, it never bothered, right? But I think that in their mind, they're, 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 doing, they're having three conversations. Uh, 
who can I talk to? Maybe I can talk to Branch, but Branch is always helping everybody else, so he's too busy, so I won't want to bother him. So I'll keep it to myself, and therefore I'll just go make it potentially make it worse because I'm not talking about it. Mm-hmm. And then after you know five six months, they're like, "Oh yeah, this last six months have been so rough." I'm like, "Where have you been? I've been texting you." And I think in their minds, they're like, "Well, I don't want to burden you with my stuff." And, I, and these are young people who I've known since they were 14 years old, and now they're 25, and they still operate in that sometimes world. So it's almost like you have to almost integrate it in yourself, believing that. What you're going through is not a burden to other people, and but if you believe it's a burden, then it's easier to keep it to yourself. It's easier not to talk about it, and so we still do that work with our young people who are even after they've left the program officially, mm-hmm. as they're moving into their adulthood. Right? I think that's really powerful. Over the last 19 years, um, how many students have you worked with? Yeah, man, we were trying to do a number like that. Um, I would say probably, you know, directly within Everford Club, the year, multiple year program, I would say running into close to 500? 500? Yeah, probably in the, we, we need to get a final number. We, we, in the early days, we weren't collecting data. We were yeah, the just data. doing the work. So, the data um, but I would say the numbers that I do know about is that we have, um, engaged over 70,000 people in this activity. Mm. So we've invited, you know, we, um, we know more than 70,000 have made Matt, have, have done the experience, but we've only gotten these ones back. So we can only officially in our office have them, but we hear from teachers all the time, oh, I used your activity. And so we're always trying to get teachers, hey, save the mass, like share them with us. Let us, let us see our impact, right? Mm-hmm. See, one thing to hear it, another thing to see it. And I think sometimes teachers, they saw it and they were shocked themselves. And sometimes it may have shocked them too much that they were like, I'm not, I can't let anybody see these. Mm-hmm. But, but those are young people who are willing to be a part of this movement, right? And so we're in that phase of like, how do we not only capture this data, this information? We don't call them data. In my work, these are masks, right? These are, these are individual people from around the world who have said, I'm going to share three things about you. They're anonymous, but mm-hmm. I'm going to share three things about my... Three things on the front, three things on the back, mm-hmm. and um, and we and we take them very serious. Anyone on my team knows, like I, I, I they're all like protected. Like, yeah. hey, don't be, don't be, don't be, don't be. You know, when people like take cards and they like, I'm like, don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. They, I, I get sometimes annoyed. They get they get annoyed with me, like trying to be so protective of these cards. But yeah. I take them serious. Right? I take it like this is somebody's life in in our hands that was willing to share something about themselves. And so, yeah, that's the deeper layers of the work, you know? Yes, and, and the data is so important when you're building your business. Do you have any, um, as, as now someone who's built your business around helping others and doing something creative, um, do you have any, you know, for someone starting out, they want to build a nonprofit, they want to help others with their work, but they want it to be a legitimate job, and, you know, where do they start? Where do they start? What, 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 what kind of work do they have to do to get their enterprise up and running? Yeah, beautiful question. Um, so as a person who is like, I think, an entrepreneur at heart, like I'm always trying to think of like ways of creating, right? So, you know, if someone who is passionate about something, I think first is like, is it something that, you, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, hmm, that's a great question. I gotta get my words right. Here's my best way of thinking about it. Um, it called me. Like I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't thinking one day, how can I create this activity 
that can help people around the world. I was like, I got these young men at this school who are struggling to connect. Like they're right in front of me. They're in my classes every day. And I think that, you know, I, I imagine there's some entrepreneur programs out there that are like, look at around the world and see what problem you can solve and then go after that problem. But the, the challenge with that is that if you're not passionate about that, it's only going to be, I think, short-lived, you know? So my, my version of it is um, I'm passionate about education, passionate about young people and their wellness. There was a problem in front of me with those young men connecting. So when the mask activity came about, uh, we were invited to be a part of the documentary, The Mask You Live In. So um, I was like, well, sure. Now, every time somebody had ever asked me to film us, they came in with their phone or they came in with a little handheld camcorder. So I'm thinking that's what's about to happen. So I'm not prepared for anything except that I want at least to have these young men have a good experience. Now, I have been trying everything with them. They weren't opening up. And when the mask idea came about, it was like, I'm trying to figure a way to help these young people connect in a deep way. And what I realized was that I tried, I tried all my magic. I, tried, I think I tried all the magic I had. I'm like, I got to try something new. It can't be something I, I can't be something I haven't done before because everything I've tried with them doesn't work. And so something was like, like, what if, because they have a hard time talking about it. This was at a different school. This was at Fremont High School, my alma mater. So uh, I'm a dean. Got these young men who are struggling academically, socially, emotionally, but in front of everybody else, I'm good, I'm cool, I'm fine, I'm, I'm high, whatever it was, right? And I was like, they, they, they can't talk about it. They're afraid to talk about it. So what if I don't make them talk about it? So I was like, what if I do the mask activity with them where they don't have to talk about it? And that's how the mask activity first was created. So in that, that when you see that documentary, if you see the mask you live in, you'll see them writing on this picture, words on the front words on the back and literally that is what became the million mask movement in that moment i didn't even know it was going to work i was like hey let's just try this thing out and then i made them take the pieces of paper they balled them up we, we threw it papers at each other and then i sat there and when they opened them up all of them had somebody else's mask and they began to read them and the energy in the room was immediate in front of everybody else, they were cool, funny, happy, athletic, all these things. But behind their masks, they were all carrying anger and sadness and fear and worry and doubt and all these things. And then they, then they started looking at each other like, almost like how Ever Forward first started back in 2004. But we weren't using masks back then. We were just checking in. I had already tried the check-ins like I did back then. But remember, when Ever Forward first started in 2004, there were no cell phones. Kids, I mean, there were, there were cell phones. Kids didn't have cell phones. So there was a communication style that was a lot more direct with words. 2012, 13, there's not only faith, there's not only phones, there's Facebook, Instagram, all these things. There's so much other distractions. Trying to get them to check in with words was just not working. I tried the check-ins. They were all faking. And so I knew that what had worked, you know, eight years prior was no longer the easiest way to get at the connection as so I had to try something new and that's when the mask came out and and man it worked and that's so when I think about like how other people can do it I, I, I really invite people to follow their, their 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 soul their heart their goal like their their higher power however people connect to the thing that's bigger than themselves if I hadn't have been able to channel this idea that I don't know what to do <laughs> I didn't know what to do I went in that room with just something that I was gonna try. 
And if it didn't work, I was not gonna blame, I was not gonna be mad at myself. I was just be like, you know what, it wasn't the right activity for them. But thank God it worked. Thank 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 God it worked. And it was like when it worked in that room, I'm like, oh my goodness. I've been trying, I've been working with this gentleman for three months, three, four months, like nothing. Every time we end up in a conversation, anybody goes a little deep, it starts being, it's an argument. Because they're trying to deflect that they're feeling real stuff, so they gotta get mad, right? And what I realized in that in that evolution of that work was that, oh, this has been in me all the time. I've been actually having this conversation with young people since the beginning. We just didn't use the metaphor of a mask. Ashanti Branch for gracing us with his presence here at Mad One Media, stationed at Intersection for the Arts, downtown San Francisco. To find out more about the Ever Forward Club, you can go to everforwardclub.org. And to hear more programs like this, get involved with our events, come to some live performances and workshops, go to madone.me. To find out more about Mad One Media, I've been Joshua Walters. We'll see you next time on whatever we're doing in the future. So stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs>